Hi guys and welcome to the Fight Up Boxing Podcast. I'm Lukash as always. And um only going to be talking about the one fight this week, Canelo versus Ryder. I mean, I mentioned bits off the undercard, but that's the event I'll be talking about. Apologies if you're really excited to hear me talk about Joshua Boazzi, um fighting Pavel Stepping, but I had to miss that because I was preparing for the um for my coverage of the Canelo fight and I didn't watch it back because apparently it was very dull and uh and I just haven't, you know, I haven't found the, found the time. So, so it's the Canelo card. Um, yeah, it was rather an odd one because Canelo clearly won, and it was for the most part a dominant beating. Um, and Ryder, you know, he stuck it out, and towards the end, he he got a couple of rounds in at the end. Um, you know, maybe three. Um, I gave him two, but we could give him three at the end. Um, so Canelo, you know, very clearly, very dominantly won won the fight. And uh, wasn't never danger, never in danger of losing, or really, you know, hurt or anything like that. And yet, like, almost everyone came away thinking, you know, this isn't the same Canelo. He's he's past his best. He's he's not what he was. This is disappointing. Now, even for me, even the crowd seemed disappointed. That's why it's hard to tell for sure because um, because um, you never know how much of it is the you know changing the actual reaction and how much is they're using different effects mics, uh, you know, positioned differently. So. So I can't be sure, but it did seem like the reaction to Canelo at the end of the fight was applause rather than the roar at the beginning, you know? Um, and it's just kind of, you know, it's odd. And I mean, obviously that that is because we expected him to beat Ryder quite comfortably. Uh, to We expected him to beat Dominant over Ryder. So him doing that isn't, uh, isn't surprising. And it was knocking him out would be the um, would you know put the polish on the top, and uh, I mean for me I wasn't that surprised that he didn't knock him out. I did think you know I, I think I thought that was likely, but I did you know when I wrote my preview over on Bloody Elbow I did mention that um, you know if Ryder lasted the early round he would probably you know he'd have a chance. I, I said he'd have a chance at winning. Um, you know I didn't think it was a very big chance, but uh, <laughs> even though I didn't spell it out, I think, I think it was implicit that uh, I thought he'd probably last to the end if he lasted the beginning around because I did think that um, and yeah um, so that you know it happening exactly as I thought and yet still coming away disappointed with Canelo and you know why was that and there are a few reasons um, the first thing and the first and most obvious thing is that for the first nine rounds Canelo fought the fight entirely at his own pace he had the choice of what to do and he still started to run out of gas after nine rounds he still ran out of puff and that just should not be happening not for him because when you run out of gas it should be because you're you know he's always going to struggle with his gas tank but he knows that and sometimes he's going to face an opponent who can force an uncomfortable pace out of him be voided and that's fine like that's something he has to deal with but he's been dealing with it so well like from the second Golovkin fight onwards, yeah, even the first Golovkin fight he dealt with okay, but in the second Golovkin fight onwards, he dealt so well with setting the pace for himself so that he knew when he was going to crash uh, and avoid crashing, basically. Um, and he, I mean, he wouldn't, he didn't crash, but he set the pace. He did, you know, the rider. It's not that rider didn't do anything, but he wasn't putting any meaningful, consistent physical strain on him you know he wasn't punching him all the time he got a few shots in but he wasn't punching him all the time and he never even got that close that consistently to to do the roughhousing that Riley likes to do 
So Canelo drained himself just by doing what he wanted to do, which is a real concern. And it's not the first time it happened because it happened against um, um, Golovkin in the third fight. So, you know, for... Just as thinking of Canelo going forward, that's really concerning. Like, he has to do something about that. And, you know, the, the reason why, um, we don't know for sure, but I am not the only one who's been complaining that... Uh, Canelo has been loading up on everything. He doesn't throw combinations much anymore. He doesn't throw setup shots. He doesn't, you know, I mean, he does, but not to the extent that he used to. He just throws big, long shots, um, big, heavy shots all the time. Um, he, yeah, he, he, he seems to have, you know, less variety than he used to. It's just throwing a few heavy, attempting to knock his opponents out with one shot constantly. And it's just weird. Um, and yeah, for me, like, in some respects, this was better than the Golovkin fight because in that fight, he was overreaching, like, a lot. He was, um, not much, like, not, um, not, not falling over like a wilder or even, you know, less wild opponents than that. But, um, but he was over, overreaching and he was lucky that Golovkin didn't punish him. And in this fight, he didn't do that. And I uh, mentioned this to Taylor, who, um, Taylor on sport, uh, you know, fights at Alan Knight, amateur boxing, uh, aficionado. I mean, he mentioned, yeah, but um, that was partly because um, he was throwing less variety of punches, which I think he's right, and um, I've seen other people point this out too. Um, and that's a 50-50, like, for me. Um, because I don't mind boxers as they age, you know, winding down what they do, um, throwing less of some kinds of things, so that's fine, but it will limit him as a boxer, you know, um, if he's a uh, um, if he's going to have less variety of his punches, obviously, you know, obviously it's going to limit him as a boxer and he's going to have to adjust to that. But also, he still got tired. Like against Golovkin, he was constantly having to recover position. He was overbalancing and having to get back into position. In this, he wasn't really. He wasn't loading up on the punches, but he wasn't overbalancing. And he still ran out of gas. It's just, it's just not good. Um, and he really has to figure out you know what? Because he can't rely on knocking his opponent out every time. You know, imagine if he fights David Benavides. Like, there's still a good chance that he knocks out David Benavides early on. Um, you know, with the way his chin is in the air and all that stuff. But if that goes past six, like at the moment, without changes in Canelo's style, because don't get me wrong, I think Canelo is good enough, smart enough, and you know, still pretty close to the peak that um, he's capable of changing this and sorting it out. But at the moment, do you? Does anyone really see? Um, can I last him if it goes past six with David Benavides with his gas tank? Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, and you know, there might be signs that he's working on that already, already because the other thing that people called him out for was the lack of um, head movement. And for me, that is another 50-50. That is another one where I don't know why he wasn't doing it. It's true, he wasn't doing it as much as he used to. He didn't have the flashy slips and ducks and all of that stuff. But... Um, at least early in the fight, because, you know, all of the positive stuff comes in the addendum until he got tired. Early in the fight, he was moving his head. It just wasn't the flashy, flashy stuff. He had a high guard up, and he was making Ryder fall short um, a lot. Um, Ryder's jab basically disappeared. Like, he landed, I think, well, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, um, I don't know how many, but it was basically none. It was like averaging one or two around if that um, landed, which is, you know, a problem for Ryder because he was trying to close distance and just couldn't get his measuring stick off. But um, but it was Chung. Yeah, he he did have head movement there, 
Um, but he, yeah, he he had the high guard up, and he wasn't doing the super cool, flashy movements. Um, and then maybe you know that, and that may be for good reasons. It may be because um, that kind of movement is also tiring, and he feels it easier to use his guard more. And he was still, you know, I saw people say he was who wasn't doing parrying as much and doing you know catch encounters and things. Um, that may be true. He wasn't doing as much, but he still did it. The this, the knockdown he scored, I think it was in the fifth came off you know it wasn't exactly a catch it wasn't a catch counter or anything but um, he parried a shot and then uh, followed it up with a jab with a one-two and knocked right down he was still doing that he's still using his guard to catch shots you know this this is the thing i, I should make clear is a uh, this was not in a vacuum a bad performance by canelo in a vacuum it was a good performance by canelo even though he ran out of puff it's just comparing canelo in this fight to canelo where ideally he would want to be yeah, it was it was worrying. Um, but yeah, like the head movement on fifty fifty on because it could be that he's he did that you know tactically um, to man to manage his gas tank. That maybe something you know that that, that was for maybe because you know, certain punches of riders um, he thought the movement wasn't good for dealing with, which I struggle to believe. But it's you know it's potentially true. Um, I struggle to believe because there's no way that rider is a sharper puncher, a faster, better cleaner puncher than you know lots of Canelo's past opponents who he did use use the head movement against but um but you know it may well be tactical um it may also be to do with carrying an injury we, we don't know what injuries he might have but um you know as you get older you've been fighting a lot he's been you know he's been consistently um training and fighting you know throughout the year basically um he may, he may have done himself a mischief and that is you know, nothing not his fault, if that's true. But, um... But it is a worry, again. And it might just be because he decided he doesn't want to do that anymore. Which would be fucking stupid, but... There you go. Yeah. The other thing for Canelo was his feet. Um, because I have always been not a huge fan of Canelo's footwork. Um, and he polished it, and he polished it, and he polished it, but it was never fast. Um... And that hasn't changed, and it's not going to change at this stage. Against Bivol, it got exposed. Um, against Bivol, it really became a problem because Bivol really has really good footwork, and uh, and um, and he just couldn't, you know, just couldn't cope. In this fight, obviously, it was never going to, you know, he was never going to lose the footwork battle with um, John Ryder. But um, you know, at the same time, he didn't befuddle Ryder with his footwork. He 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 was the he had the dominant position most of the time, you know, another tough ball. Um, Southpaw orthodox matchup, hopes and stance, and yeah, he had the uh, he had the uh, the dominant position, and he used his position and his head movement a little bit um, really well to set up his left to John Ryder's right side, the uh, the liver shot, which you know, frankly, amazing that that didn't end the fight. He landed it repeatedly, really hard, and Ryder's side was fucked up. Um, but yeah, he he you know he, he did it fine. His footwork was fine, and actually, like I I want to circle back to the head movement. Just mention, yeah, he used the head movement. He slipped down to his uh, own left and set up that right hand shot with that left hand shot with it to the right side of John Ryder's liver. Clearly, you know he was doing some of it. But anyway, yeah, the footwork. Um, yeah, it just didn't. He you know he couldn't completely forced John Ryder out of there. He couldn't completely off-balance Ryder. Like, he got to the positions he needed to. But, um, 
but he wasn't completely like dominating the space, which we've kind of gotten used to from him, um, you know, before the pivot fight. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not a huge thing. Like, like I say, I've never been bewitched by Canelo's footwork. Um, he stopped making mistakes, but I don't think it ever became great. But, um, you know, I am disagreed with by this by quite a few great boxing minds. So I can't say that. Yeah. Yeah. I am the sole authority here and I decide that Canelo's footwork was never that good. Um, because clearly it was and clearly much more knowledgeable people than me like Lee Wiley think differently but you know my opinion is like my opinion was always if you put him in with someone who can move like Usyk not Usyk specifically because he's too big anyway but if you put him in with someone who can move like Usyk what's going to happen and we saw something like that you know not the same kind of movement but with B-roll um, anyway that's almost beside the point except to say that yeah I, I feel like the footwork he showed here wasn't quite it was precise, it was on the way to being where it needs to be, but it wasn't quite the um, the exact sort of precise dominance of space with it that he had. And that may have been to do with Ryder being southpaw and Ryder being awkward and, you know, Ryder isn't an easy customer. He, he he did get, you know, maybe a bit underrated coming into this fight. Um, you know, he's lost to Callis Smith and he's lost a few fights earlier in his career, but they're always close fights. I think he got knocked out for Rocky Field. No, it was, oh, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been, you know, he's better than he used to be and he was always awkward. Um, and he was tough as fuck. Um, you know, those body shots would have stopped almost anyone, but they didn't stop him. Um, and yeah, he started to get back into it and his defense is quite good. Like, it's not brilliant, but he knows how to snip a punch himself. He knows how to cut behind a guard. Um, you know, he knows, doesn't make any major mistakes. Um, his, his guard when it's up is high, which is what led to the body shots being so effective. Um, but, um, but yeah, he's decent, but he's, he, he's decent. He's not, you know, elite world level type thing. It, it, yeah, it was just a weird performance from Canelo. Um, yeah, is Canelo past it? Yeah, this is a question. Um, that's kind of on everyone's lips. He's only 32, but he has been a pro for a very long time. Um, is he past it? Well, he's clearly on the down curve of where he used to be. Um, whether whether he's actually passed it really does depend on what he does and how he manages it. And sometimes there is a transitional period, like um, Roman Gonzalez. There was a period after he lost to SSR where he just didn't, you know, even considering that that fight, you know, was a hard matchup for him. After that, he came back, he fought Kabyafi, he won that, but he didn't look super fantastic and then since then he started to look much better um and we saw something with like, a bit like that with Pacquiao um when he initially started to lose his speed he didn't look great he didn't look like he was going to be like have longevity like real last past where his athleticism started to drop off and then he started to figure it out and adjust so there is still space for Canelo to find the answer like I say he's an extremely gifted fighter someone with his accuracy and sharpness and power um, can always you know there are ways to find the way um, that gas tank is the biggest problem because whatever he does people are going to be pushing at it now um, but he, you know he, he can find a way but it depends whether he does because I'm not sure he's making the right decisions that loading up on every punch is such a weird thing to do when it's clearly costing him more energy than he can afford to give up it's just yeah he can't do that um yeah we'll see basically that's the answer i have for you is um yeah is if Canelo, is canelo passed it depends on him depends on what he does depends on what him and renato come up with to um 
to guide him down, the, you know, through the downslope of his athleticism. We'll find out. Um, yeah, not a lot else to say about that. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, I could go on more, but um, right now I don't have a lot more to say about that, so I will stop and instead move on to the co-main event, which was um, Julio R. Martinez versus Ronel Batista, so, uh, defending his flyweight title at, um, against Batista, who is a Panaman, Panamayan um, contender, who uh, Todd Grisham declared if he won this, he would be the first ever pa- pa- world champion from Panama, which is like, please, you get paid to do this. <laughs> so what hell? But in any case, uh, he had never been near world level. He's had one 12-rounder, I believe. Um, yeah, he's never been close. No, two 12-rounders. Um, but yeah, basically never been close to world level. Um, and he gave Martinez a fight. Like, Martinez won and he should have won. It wasn't like against Carmona where Carmona could have easily got the win. Um, Martinez, um, or Martinez knocked him out. So, yeah, there was that. And he would have won on the scorecards even if he hadn't. Um, but um, it was another weird... I wouldn't say flat, it's just not a good performance. He is so crude when it comes to closing distance. Um, and it turns out he's also not very good when someone is the one closing distance at him, which leaves him in the weird zone where he has to have the, you know, the 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 sweet spot, the Goldilocks zone, so to speak, where an opponent is um, coming at him, not, you know, not playing in the back foot fighter. The opponent is coming at him, but not quite fast enough to make him go backwards and letting him deliver the shots as his opponent comes about them. When they're doing that, he can be fantastic. Anything else, and he's vulnerable. Basically, um, Batista came out, and his plan was clearly to play the long game, play the distance game. Poke, punch, punch, jab, jab, stay at distance. And um, and it, it worked pretty well. Um, but there were moments when Martinez did get close enough to clip him and the thing is this is what baffles me when martinez is in close he has quite good footwork he sets up little angles you know he's not fantastic he's not lomachenko but um he has little angles he knows how to swim up and he was getting kind of getting batista with that you know on the odd occasion where he got in close enough um he was managed to get around and deliver a shot that caught him a bit of balance and batista's response to this was to kind of go you know fuck this i'm gonna push you back and it worked it just completely worked. And um, Martinez, it turns out, really loses much of his power when you put him on the back foot, which is f- fucking bizarre. Uh, you know, for someone like that, that explosive, to to not know what to do when his opponent gets in his face, you know, that's exactly what he what you want them to be doing, in theory. Like, you want your opponents to be coming at you so you can trade with them. But it turns out if they make you go, you know, if they come too fast, you go on the back foot and then you can't properly punch anymore. It was bizarre you know it's really strange and you know again this sounds a bit of a harsh criticism against when he knocked a guy out but um but ultimately the knockout was a you know it kind of deals in weird deals into what i say because ultimately um batista you know he did get hurt and he but he got tired and martinez was able to push him to the ropes and then unload on the ropes um so you know batista didn't have anywhere to go and then martinez could like really do what he wanted with the punches and he f- threw like 12, 13 and answer strikes and then he said enough yeah fair enough um, but I do not understand for the life of me why he doesn't know how to close distance it is bizarre why someone like that who needs to be in pretty close and is good in close doesn't know how to get there like he just doesn't he has no idea 
he has no clue. Like um, um, in the main event, um, Stry- uh, John Ryder, he struggled to get close, and he has done it with worse fighters than Canelo. But he knew what he was doing. Um, you know, he was jabbing, moving his way in. He was getting caught on the way in, kind of backing up. But he knew what he was doing. Um, Martinez has no clue. He just jumps in. He throws big haymakers and he leaps in behind them. And he hopes that he gets close enough. And sometimes he does. And he's explosive enough, explosive enough and fast enough that he can affect. But again, this was a guy who was nowhere near world level. Or at least has never been near world level. And, you know, he looked, he did well, um, you know, for what he was doing. But it wasn't like you watched Batista there and thought, you know... Oh, I'm really interested to see what he can do after Martinez. You know, it's not like um, when um, Argy Lopez um, beat him, uh, not beat, um, did really well against Estrada. You know, he came, um, he had some really good tricks. Like you could say, yeah, Estrada underestimated him and stuff, but he did some really cool things to make Estrada think. Um, whereas uh, Batista here, just kind of did basic boxing things, like just really normal things that any mid-level boxer you know, approaching world level would be expected to know. And it's not that Martinez had no answer, but it wasn't great. And it is, I haven't really ever seen a fighter, um, you know, be, be so fouled out, crash so hard um, as Martinez. I mean, I'll say that uh, Edgar Belanger has managed that without ever getting close to world stage or losing, but, but you know what I mean. Uh, he just seems so found out at the moment. Um, you know, you, people talk about, you know, he's a champion and he could fight Sonny Edwards or Bam Rodriguez. And he is, yeah, he has the power to trouble either one of the movie lands. But quite frankly, they both humiliated him. It would be embarrassing. I'd, yeah, it was not a good performance. And he has to really rethink what he's doing in his training because... Because it was just, he has no clue how to close distance, and that is embarrassing. And he also needs to know how to step back and launch a good counter. You know, watch Javonta Davis a bit. Um, yeah, you've got that same kind of explosive power. Um, figure out how to lure your opponents onto it. Um, yeah. Disappointing. Disappointing as shit. And Bosley came back, um, kind of what you'd expect after a four year layoff or how long it's been. Um, yeah, he was fighting Rickards Polotniks. He kind of took a while to get going, and he, uh, he eventually knocked him out. Mm, not, I didn't properly watch that fight, so I've not got a lot more to say, but it's nice to see Kostik back. Um, yeah, and the other fights on the main card was... Um, really, there were two more fights on the main card, and one of them was um, Gabriel Golaz versus uh, Steve Spark. Golaz uh, won by a controversial decision. Um, with controversial judges who were replaced at the last minute with local judges. Um, yeah, it was a nice back and forth. They kind of um, knocked each other about. Spark seemed to have the best of it. Uh, Goddard's got the nod. I don't think it was that controversial to be really fuming about it, but I understand why Spark was um, was annoyed. But it was a good, entertaining fight, and you should watch it. And, you know, again, I was watching that fight, but also setting shit up, so um, I'm not going to deep analyse it. And the other fight on the main card was... Um, Nathan David Rodriguez versus Alexander Mejia. Um, I may have pronounced that wrong. Apologies. Um, at featherweight, and Rodriguez is clearly a um, a prospect that they have um, they have high hopes for because he's only eighteen and he was on you know the main card of a Canelo fight. Um, 
is he worth that? Hard to say. This was fine. It was a fine performance. Um, Mejia was the bigger guy and he kind of used his mad strength on the kid, but um, eventually he got outboxed. So there is, yeah, again, not, not, not going to go into it in depth because again, I was uh, preparing. But, uh, but yeah. Okay, that's all I've really got to say. I would, I do want to say a couple of other things. Um, firstly, Reggie Prograde was announced uh, to sign with Matchroom, and um, and he will be fighting um, Luke. Is it Luke Paro? Uh, I'm going to check right now. Anyway, he's fighting pretty soon, and it is just nice to see someone um, have an idea of what to do with you know with Project Prograde, um, you know, immediately. Liam Parrow, I'm pretty sure I've seen him, I can't remember exactly where, but anyway, by all accounts, he's a pretty decent fighter up Australia, who um, is also been looking for a big fight, he's got one, um, probably more than he's bit off and more than he can chew, but it's just nice to see Program promoted properly again, and this was straight away, Eddie Hearn said, new warning, we'll take him home, you know, fair enough, um, so yeah, that'll be fun, um, seeing Reggie Progo promoted properly. And the other big announcement they made was they signed Andy Cruz, who is really good. And if you don't know about him, um, check at Taylor on Sport and look for his thread. Um, just He has a couple of um, Cruz's amateur fights. If you're not aware, um, Andy Cruz is one of the greatest amateur boxers of all time, um, who has won Olympic gold and three world titles and basically, um, you know, Keyshawn Davis, who is one of the biggest prospects coming up in um, in, the, in America right now, was basically, <laughs> he just lost all the major finals. It was just too chew toy. Um, and, you know, now he's turning pro. He's escaped from Cuba. It took him a while. Um, but, um, but now he's turning pro. I believe it's a lightweight. Um, I think they announced it was a 10 round. It's, it's going to come in straight in with a 10 rounder, which makes sense. Um, you know, it is, and, um, our guy Kyle, um, you know, Combat Chronicle, Combat on Twitter, I'm not, you know, Combat Chronicles, uh, Fight Site founder and, um, you know, knowledgeable dude. He does point out that, um, most of the really big dudes, including Keyshawn Davis, are over at top rank. So it may be difficult to make those fights, but, um, you know, he, we'll see, we'll see. Um, and it's just good to see him successfully you know, make the jump. Um, and he is such a talent. He's 27, so he's not a kid. Um, but he's going to be so good, so good to watch. You know, it's hard to say how good he'll make it as a pro, but, you know, as an animator, he's, um, you know, Loma level talented, Vigo level talented. Um, and he has the flash and he has the skills and he, you know, he can be an outboxer, but he will also hold his feet and, uh, and pocket box with anyone who, you know, tries that shit with him. So, so yeah, it's going to be fun. And the other thing I did want to mention is with Boatsy, Joshua Boatsy, um, even though I didn't watch the fight, it is disappointing, but not that surprising to hear that he looked flat again. Um, it just, um, he is, um, what would you, how would you put it? He's stagnating. He hasn't really moved on for a few years now. Um, and he should have been, you know, the way he turned pro and the way he moved, he should have been probably looking at world level, really. And right now you're thinking, you know, if you fought out in a yard, how would he do? You know, he gets his ass kicked, in my opinion. He just hasn't made that step up um, in his, uh, in his um, 
development and it's disappointing but what can you do um the only other thing on that fight on that card which i did watch afterwards was ben because it's only coming around was ben whittaker just boiling everyone's piss just really really irritating everyone with his massive showboating um he imitated um nazim hammond's entrance against kevin kelly you know in his what is it his third fight against some guy you know jordan grant you know solid journeyman nowhere near this kind of class uh, doing the hammond entrance and he knocked him out and he was dancing a lot and everyone was just really annoyed and so yeah i get it but he's just entertaining frankly um but yeah that's it really um this weekend there is no proper boxing there is uh, a ksi fight which i do not give a fuck about um but no proper boxing so um no previous from it from me this week and probably no podcast next week um i've been umming a lot this week uh can you tell i'm tired um yeah i will see you next time follow me on twitter at crafty boxing follow the fight site at the fight site join the fight site patron all of that good stuff i will see you next week no i won't i just said that i will see you the week after next thanks for listening <laughs>